you're so much more capable than you believe you are. I have learned that time and time again for just going for things. I don't always love going outside my comfort zone, but when I do, like the payoff and the reward at the end is always amazing. Even if it's a failure, it still gives me one step closer to where I want to be or where I need to be. So um, having our baby, that's a big scary thing. Or, you know, having a solo practice and being an entrepreneur during COVID, like that was a scary thing to invest in myself and, and do that. But you really start to realize like what you're able to do. And it's it's so amazing. You, you grow that way and you oftentimes you will either inspire other people or help other people by just kind of taking those risks and taking those chances. This is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I am your host, Bet Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids. I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly. The world needs you. Hello, welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bette Lucas, and I am safely home (laughs) from our family reunion. It was awesome. It really, really was. So many cousins, so much laughter, so much dirt. I'm looking down on my feet right now, grossing all of you out. No, I have not showered yet. And yes, I need to. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) Anyways, so wonderful to have you all here. And I can't wait for today's episode. Like to report that the fire alarm only went off once. And no, it wasn't our fault. It just literally went off in the middle of the night. Yes. For quite some time. Luckily, the baby didn't wake up. But I was like, Are you kidding me? They actually had to go and replace the whole unit. It didn't like turn off without like the battery coming out or nothing worked. And Spencer is super handy and he couldn't even figure it out. So usually we are uh, trying to burn things down, but this time actually there was no fault to be found. It was a great, great time, so much to reflect on. And really quickly, I want to share that sometimes it can be a lot of work to get family together, cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And you usually have a wide array of opinions and what people want to do and how they want to do it. It can be hard to actually make it happen because sometimes Those opinions can get in the way of just getting something done because at some point, someone has to make a decision, right? At some point, someone has to say, no, we're doing this. And as someone who has been the host of our family reunion, that can be, you know, that can be kind of intimidating because you want to please everybody. You want everybody to have a good time. It costs a lot of money for people to get there. Even if you're not going somewhere fancy, just the food, the airfare, the gas, anytime you're away from home, it, it costs money. <laughs> let's let's be clear here, right? I just want to assure you is that the work is worth it. The time is worth it. Those memories 
make it all worth it. And what I remind myself in those moments is that provide opportunities for everyone to get together, connect, and have memories that last them a lifetime. But don't sweat the details of every little thing. I find that makes the best experience. If you are worried about the napkin color or you're worried about everything being perfect, that's not really the goal. The goal is for you to facilitate an event that provides connections and memories. And I think that's what we achieved. And it was so beautiful to watch it. The other thing I came away with was I don't know if you guys know this, but I am a stepdaughter and I just have fabulous step families. I really, really do. I get so mad at the Disney movies, right? Because even though I love them, I am so bummed at how they portray step parents, especially step moms. And sometimes I want to say, hey, Disney, I want a movie where the step parents are like the step parents that I know, loving, embracing, and truly, truly a huge, huge part of my heart. So if you are a stepmom or dad out there, or you're going to be, well, can I just assure you that the story of step parents in the movies doesn't have to be your story? You can write your own. And I am a testament that it can be different. To no credit of my own, but to two people, one who married my mom and one who married my dad, that truly changed my life forever. Forever for the good. And maybe that's what I'm walking away with this family reunion. Don't let the story that you see in the movies, don't let the story you see on the news, don't let how it always was be how it always has to be. That is what being bold means to me. I am thrilled to have today's bold guest on the show. Leisha is here to share insights around your thyroid health. As a dietitian, a new mom, and personal struggles with her own thyroid, she is now out in the world trying to help you and others know more about your thyroid, but also what you can do if you are currently having maybe some struggles around it. Or maybe you don't even know you have struggles with your thyroid, and yet Leisha today shares what you may be experiencing if your thyroid is not in optimal health. Leisha is just another bold example how we need to take control of our own health. Leisha and so many of my guests on Living Your Big Bold Life podcast make it clear that we need to be in the driver's seat when it comes to our health. We need to not be a victim. If we are not getting the answers that we, that we want, if we're not getting them, we need to ask more questions. We need to get second opinions. We need to take control of our own health. No more excuses. I can't wait for you to learn some more tools for your tool belt when it comes to thyroid health and much more from Leisha. Here she is. Welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life, Leisha. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you all about everything thyroid today. <laughs> 
We haven't had a guest on this topic. And so I've been so impressed with your material on Instagram. And I just feel like this is such an important topic for so many of us. And I'm honored to have your time today, especially, can I just highlight something? Alicia has a three-month-old. And (laughs) for anyone who's at a newborn, this is a time where like three months, you're just like treading water. (laughs) And so I'm really, really honored that you have been able to make time to do this today. Yeah, absolutely. I I really, you know, as we'll probably talk about, I love my career. I love what I do. And when I'm able to kind of incorporate that, I'm slowly getting back to a normal routine, um, but also trying to take time for baby and husband. Um, so, you know, like we said, it's a, it's a learning curve, but I'm in, trying to enjoy all the different uh, aspects, ups and downs of being a new mom. Yeah, it's a lot. You know, you're, I was sharing this with you before the interview, but before we dive in, the thing I always encourage new moms about is that they, a lot of times will see moms with multiple babies or multiple kids. And they'll say, I just don't know how you do it. I'm, you know, I'm, this is a lot. And just a reminder to everyone listening out there, if you are a new mom and you are juggling all the things don't think it's abnormal to feel a little bit overwhelmed. And it's it's not less work when you only have one. It's really not. It, they, and especially, you know, there's so many shifts going on. I mean, I'm sure your career mm-hmm. shifting right now, your, your family dynamic, you and your husband, that's a big shift for you, right? And now there's a new baby and you're learning. So just a little... Uh, encouragement for all the the newborn mamas out there, and especially new moms that uh, just because a few of us have more than one, it doesn't mean we're any better at it or that, <laughs> that, uh, that it's any really any easier uh, for us than it is for you. So anyways, let's get started. So why are you so passionate about thyroid health and what brought you to this? Was this because you had thyroid issues yourself? Or, or why are you even doing this today? <laughs> yeah, I actually really love that question because it allows me to tell a little bit about my story and, you know, like you said, why I even got into this very specific area. Um, so yes, I do have thyroid issues myself. Uh, back in 2017, I was diagnosed with both Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. And I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of explain what those are, what the difference is between the two, because I think they're often confused. So yeah, uh, 2017, a routine doctor checkup. I was feeling quote unquote fine, but my blood work came back and there was a lot of things wrong. Not only was my thyroid severely underactive, um, but I had like my cholesterol was off, my liver enzymes were off. And this at the time, I and I still am, I was a registered dietitian. So I knew how to take care of myself. I was eating well, I was very active, but it wasn't until after the diagnosis that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I realized, wow, my college years and early 20s were rough. And it really explained so many of my symptoms and struggle to, you know, just kind of get by. And I think we do this a lot. I think women more so, but we chalk things up to, to stress and to being busy. And at the time, like I said, I, you know, being in college, working multiple jobs, having an internship, um, of course I was going to be tired, but I didn't realize that that wasn't normal to feel 
that level of fatigue or, you know, have anxiety or these different issues that I, and I, random things kept popping up like problems with, you know, gut health or, you know, my oral health suffered. There were so many things and it wasn't until I was diagnosed and got training and education later that I realized all the pieces were connected. Um, and then I started to, it started all to make sense. So diagnosed in 2017, um, at the time I was a clinical dietitian working at the hospital, working on transitioning to outpatient wellness center. And that's where I started to work with more of a chronic illness population. So I was seeing people with thyroid disease and, and autoimmunity. And I just realized that I wanted to learn more, not only to help myself, but my clients that I was working with and my patients. Um, so I decided to get extra training and become an integrative and functional practitioner. Because as dietitians, we're not really taught a whole lot about autoimmune diseases or thyroid problems. It's kind of glossed over. And I think that also happens in the conventional medicine realm. <laughs> it's, uh-huh. it's definitely dismissed and, and not treated like something that is a big deal. And in reality, it's, it's a huge deal for our health. Um, so that's kind of like the gist of, you know, why I, I realized that the care was really poor. Um, yes. You know, after diagnosis, the the follow up care is extremely poor. Alternative means are not offered. Patients mm-hmm. aren't referred to a dietitian, and even if they are, most dietitians, like I said, we're not trained, you know, much about thyroid disease. Um, so the typical dietitian doesn't know how to help a thyroid patient specifically. So through helping myself, getting trained, I wanted to better help other people in my shoes because it just wasn't acceptable (laughs) to me for people to be so, you know, discouraged and dismissed and lost really on how to help their own bodies. Wow. I just love that you said, I, now I've kind of found some tools that are working for me. I'm going to go help some other people. And I think that that's the interesting thing I find with health and, and wellness today is that there's kind of two factors. Some people need to make the decision to make their health a priority. And then, however, then then there's a lot of people out there that are making their health a priority, but they have the wrong tools and they're being told the wrong things and, Mm -hmm. or no one knows how to help them. And so I think that's so fascinating that you saw that there was this gap, like this gap, like, yes, I am a dietitian, but there are still some things that I need to go figure out in the kind of functional nutrition world that could Mm -hmm. help others. So, oh, that's fascinating. Well, I have many things I want to ask you about that. But (laughs) so our thyroid, let's just get basic first. What Uh is our thyroid and what does it really control? What what impact does it make on our body? Yeah. uh, So the thyroid is an endocrine gland, meaning it's a gland that secretes hormones. Um, It's often called the butterfly gland because of its shape. It's located in our neck. Um, It's not that big, but it does control many important vital functions in our body. Um, Most people know it to control our metabolism. That's why when you have low or high thyroid, it can influence your ability to gain or lose weight. More people have hypothyroidism. So usually they, you know, you hear people complain about, you know, a lot of weight gain or weight loss resistance. So metabolic health is, you know, a primary thing that the thyroid um, controls. 
along with things of like energy production and heat production and utilizing the nutrients from our diet and even cognitive health. Oftentimes people are, they find out they have a thyroid condition because they first had depression. And if the doctor is savvy enough, they'll kind of investigate a little bit further. Um, so it doesn't, it does impact our brain health, which is super important, <laughs> you know, your mental health. Um, so those are kind of the big areas and those can stem, you know, metabolic health covers so many different things, but um, also can influence sex hormones, which is really important for women, um, especially when it comes to fertility and pregnancy and premenopause, postmenopause, things like that as well. Um, all of these hormones do influence one each, one, each other. Um, you know, you can't just isolate <laughs> one set of hormones from the other hormones that our body has because that's not really how it works. Well, that's fascinating. And you realize why in your really thorough description, why the thyroid is so important for so many different areas. So let's dive into when you see people who are struggling with, who maybe are a red flag for, for thyroid issues, mm -hmm. let's go into certain symptoms that you see. And and you already talked about some of them about it, that mm -hmm. you were experiencing. But if I have a listener today, and obviously they all know we're not providing medical advice today, but we are just sharing kind of from experience, what symptoms do you see when someone is having issues with their thyroid, kind of those red flags? Yeah, um, I'll, I can definitely give a list. And then also I like to point out that a lot of these symptoms overlap with other, other conditions. So I'll try and clarify that as well. Um, but the most common ones are weight loss resistance. Um, and this is for hypothyroidism and underactive thyroid. Um, so weight loss resistance, extreme fatigue, brain fog, um, you know, low energy, like I mentioned, um, there can be other issues with your lab work. Like I said, for myself, I mean, once upon a time, they actually used elevated cholesterol to diagnose hypothyroidism. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, you know, your cholesterol may not just be diet and lifestyle. It could be something wrong with your thyroid. And that happened to me, like I said. Um, there can be aches and pains with your muscles or your joints. Um, another common one is hair loss or um, dry skin, brittle nails, loss of the outer third of your eyebrow. It's very thin. Um, that can also be due to, you know, an underactive thyroid, cold hands and feet, super common one as well. If you can't, if you feel like you can't regulate your body temperature, or even I've heard, um, and sometimes have experienced myself like heat intolerance, you can't stand the cold and you can't stand the heat. <laughs> so you feel right. like you're very high maintenance when it comes to yes. like, weather that you can tolerate mood swings. That's another common one. Also carbon tolerance. So like maybe swings in your blood sugar that are a little bit more extreme than the normal person might experience. Mm -hmm. um, so those are just, those are the most common ones that I see that I've experienced that are related to thyroid. And I think these are all some of the things that we see, especially women, but men too, that we hear mm -hmm. about. I can't lose the weight. I'm doing all the things, but nothing's working. I have brain fog. I'm tired all the time. I mm -hmm. uh, started to see some hair loss. I, I mean, these are things that we hear a lot and it very well, if, if you're listening today, it could be an issue with your thyroid. So mm -hmm. let's dive into, we could talk about the different kind of other 
thyroid issues. But when you see this patient, this is the thing you you talk to this uh, client and they're coming to you. And what is kind of step one that you like to do? You say, okay, mm-hmm. uh, bet you're seeing weight loss resistance. You're tired all the time. You've got brain fog. What is kind of step one that you say we're going to, we're going to focus on? Yeah. Um, actually before I do anything, really, I always recommend people get a full thyroid panel tested. And this actually goes back to what I said earlier about describing the difference between hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's and how they're related. So a full thyroid panel um, would include more than what your doctor typically tests. So your doctor normally will test a marker called TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. It's actually a pituitary hormone that communicates with your thyroid gland to release or not release thyroid hormones um, through a biofeedback mechanism. So TSH, very common, um, and they should test that. It's not nothing wrong with it. And then the other one is free T4 which is a majority of what our thyroid produces, the T4 hormone, um, but also what doctors medicate with. Usually a synthetic T4 option. You may have heard of Synthroid or Levothyroxine. So they're going to test those and kind of call it a day. However, this does not screen for Hashimoto's, which I'll describe. It does not screen for the active uh, thyroid hormone, which is T3. So you are going to be missing some pieces to the puzzle. There's some other markers too, um, two antibody markers test for Hashimoto's. There's also something called reverse T3, which can show if you are not converting your inactive thyroid hormones to an active form. And that can happen under stress, infection, illness, um, different things like that. So Hashimoto's, why it's important to know that is because it's an autoimmune condition. And it's always important to know if you have autoimmunity going on. Now, doctors won't routinely screen for this because it doesn't change the way that they treat their patients. They're going to say, oh, you have it. Doesn't matter. We'll still medicate you. We'll still test your labs routinely. You'll be fine if you take this pill. I've heard that probably every day for the past year, um, I get messages all the time, people, Mm -hmm. you know, telling me this story. And, you know, I was told the same thing. It's not important, but it is because in the Mm -hmm. functional realm, we understand that autoimmunity is actually an immune system problem. Same thing with Hashimoto's factors, usually uh, byproducts of modern living have caused the immune system become imbalanced and unfortunately produce antibodies against another part of your body. And in Hashimoto's, it's the thyroid gland. The damage that is done to the thyroid gland can and usually does eventually lead to hypothyroidism. That's why sometimes they're used interchangeably. You can have Hashimoto's without having hypothyroidism and you can have hypothyroidism without having Hashimoto's. But I really want people when we first start working together to know what diagnosis are we even beginning with because that will determine what kind of treatment path we go down. I love that you bring up the full thyroid panel because I hear this quite a bit that mm-hmm. their doctors are only tr- only testing them for the two basic ones, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the T4 you were saying, is that the one that they're normally doing, not the T3? Mm-hmm. Correct. And then they're not getting any kind of answers that they really need. And yet when they do the full thyroid panel, the picture becomes more clear of, mm-hmm. of what's really going on. So uh, listeners, this is a great situation where you do need to be bold. Even if you're, if you have a gut feeling, and I <laughs> see this over and over, if you have a gut feeling it's your thyroid, but you're not getting a th- full thyroid panel test from your doctor, you either need to push back on your physician or find a new physician because yes. 
I hear this over and over that they had a gut feeling something was not right. They only would test for a couple. Those didn't show too many issues. So Mm -hmm. they were just told, no, it's not your thyroid. And, but the, they knew, they knew something wasn't right. So, and I, and thank you for kind of clarifying on Hashimoto's being an autoimmune disease. So step one, they get their full thyroid panel. Mm-hmm. And now they're armed with this information and they need help. They, they have hypothyroidism, let's say. What is kind of step two that you direct them to? Yeah, uh, if I'm, it kind of depends on if I'm working with clients one-on-one or they're going through one of the programs that I've created. Um, so we'll start with the program options. I start with mindset because it's mm-hmm. so important to have the right mindset for healing. Um, I'm not, you know, a therapist or psychologist. I give very general, you know, recommendations, but it's really about believing that, you know, you can assist your body in healing. And a lot of people don't believe that or think it's possible because they're told otherwise. They're told they need a medication to heal or it's actually all in their head and they're not even sick. So kind of getting past that, you know, false belief, first and foremost, to get in the right headspace, I think is such a crucial part Um, And understanding that, you know, change takes time, healing takes time, it's going to be a lifelong endeavor. It's not it's not a couple months. It's not a 12 week protocol. It's it's for life. And it's going to be changing and adapting because you are not the same person you were a year ago, two years ago, yesterday, (laughs) you know, so you have to be very open about you know, the changes that are going to be coming and how you can honor your body and support it. And um, that baby steps and small steps are what you should aim for, you know, not these huge drastic things that the fitness industry teaches us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the diet industry wants us to believe that has to be extreme, has to be fast. That's that rarely works. It rarely lasts more than, you know, a short period of time. So mindset, and then, you know, depending on the client, we might either dive into, you know, everyone's different. Some people have very poor nutrition habits, but great lifestyle habits or vice versa. So it kind of depends on what that individual has going on. Some people need a lot of help with rearranging their lifestyle a little bit or improving areas that are harming their health, whether they realize it or not. And then some people need more help with the nutritional aspect to figure out what type of eating and diet is going to work best for them. So one of my favorite sayings is that we are all worthy of more than fast. We are worthy of things Mm -hmm. that last. And you just nailed that. And on my health journey, on Every listener's health journey here today, it does need to be a lifelong endeavor. I just love that you you focus on that because anytime there is this pitch of a quick fix, it doesn't last. And it's not really pursuing health. You're mm-hmm. pursuing skinny. You're pursuing something that is really not going to fix you long-term. And I look at my journey and when I kind of released this quick fix mentality. And I said, no, I'm just going to start taking steps towards being healthier every single day. And I'm not going to expect that I'm going to see dramatic changes tomorrow. That is a very freeing moment. And I love that you start there because if you're not starting there, you might as well just go and try to get a pill for everything because that's what it's being pitched at is, is Mm -hmm. this is your quick fix. This is going to solve everything. And not that medications don't have a role, but I think Mm -hmm. that's 
that's that mindset of no, I've got to take steps towards a healthier me each and every day. And um, so thank you for sharing that so much. Okay, so step three, what's kind of next is, uh, is it kind of nutrition and lifestyle from that point forward? Yeah. And I think within that, it's also about establishing habits, you know, changing Mm. behavior. Because if you want it to last a long time, you have to change how you do things. And the most success I see with people, like I mentioned, is, is small, sustainable things that they can commit to. Because as we know, doing things that are too overwhelming or too much all at once, it's just too hard and it's not realistic. And being a new mom, like this is in my life has definitely taken that path of, okay, what can I do today? And, and, you know, I make it so easy that it's, I can achieve it no matter what, you know, and it might be like a 10 minute walk or like making sure I drink enough water or something very, very basic. Um, And then you can build upon that. So habit change behavior, that's so important for anyone who wants lasting changes. And then beyond that, it kind of gets down more into fine tuning, you know, whether that's correcting deficiencies with supplements or tweaking their diet more, or like I said, everyone is so different. Um, So we kind of start with a big picture and we kind of get more and more like narrow and specific as I get to know the individual more and what they need help with. You know, it's interesting, and I don't know if you see this a lot, but I do notice that when when someone's saying, I want to get healthier, they try to change everything overnight. Mm -hmm. And then they wonder why they kind of, I don't want to use the word fail, but they don't keep going because it's so unsustainable. And then I see the other part of it where someone's trying to do all the things and they're kind of overstressing their body and their cortisol spikes, but they are not realizing it. And that's contributing to them not taking steps forward on their health journey because they think they just have to, like you as a new mom right now, you know, certain new moms think that they just need to, I don't kill themselves with Mm -hmm. exercise and, and they're not realizing that yes, movement and is, is healthy and good, but there's a line where you can cross it that you're doing too much and stressing your body, not in a good way. And probably truly affecting your thyroid in a negative way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think something else that I try my best to educate patients on too is your body has a hard time healing and improving if it's in a state of fight or flight or stress mode. Like you want to work on making your body feel safe. And sometimes that's mental changes. Sometimes it's physical. Often it's both. But, you know, that's the biggest thing. I think you mentioned it for yourself too, but giving myself and telling my clients this, like a ton of grace and a ton of acceptance. And that really was, like you said, super freeing that, you know, there is no timeline for this weight loss. There is no timeline for whatever. It's just every single day doing what you can and and being okay with that. And, you know, that I think will release a lot of that mental stress, that extra pressure we put on ourselves. And it, it really turned my healing journey around and made it almost easy. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't fighting myself anymore. It was, it started to become effortless for the first time in my entire life. So that is a huge piece, a key, you know, aspect that I want people to practice and, and to embrace and and use that in their life, because I really do believe it's a game changer. Hey friends, it's Beth. If you are enjoying today's podcast, I really hope you will join me every week 
for what I hope you find are inspiring interviews and bold content on topics like family and career and health. And can I also ask you a favor? Can you press that subscribe button and write a review if you like what you hear today? By doing those things, you are helping me get the word out. And I truly would be ever, ever so grateful. It also allows you to be the first to know when new content arrives. So please subscribe today. Now, let's get back to our guest. I think you're exactly right. It's finding that peace with you and your journey. And once you find that, it's it's like kind of the result can be weight loss, it can be healing, it can be sleeping better. But if you are just stressed out to the max in every area of your life and you're trying to do all these things, it, it it's a lot. And I think that's why there's such this overwhelm by so many out there, right? And I, I just mm-hmm. love that advice that you're giving. I noticed in following you on Instagram that I think a lot of your eating tips and nutrition tips are forward thinking in a lot of ways when it comes to versus other dietitians out there. And I'm not trying to criticize any dietitians, but I noticed, for instance, you used to work at a hospital. Mm-hmm. When I went to deliver my baby in the hospital, the food that was recommended to me was disappointing. And for, for someone from my perspective, and I respect all different eating lifestyles, but it was a lot of low fat food, but it wasn't naturally low fat food. It was food that had other additives or chemicals. It was a lot of kind of fake filler stuff, like fake butter. And I'm concerned that that people are getting that. And they're saying, I'm going to be healthier. And mm-hmm. they're pursuing packaged foods that are that are portraying uh, hey, I'm I'm low fat, I'm low calorie, I'm this. And instead of just pursuing real whole food food. And mm-hmm. I, I guess that's that's what I've been concerned about about when I go to the, the doctor's office or when I go to the hospital, that's the dietary advice coming towards people. Yeah, it's it's really sad how far behind, you know, even when I worked in the hospital and gave education for diabetics or for heart disease, knowing what I know now and what we were taught to teach is insane. It's it's such a difference because we are taught, you know, low fat and low sodium. And a lot of it goes against our biology. Like truly, you know, we need certain micronutrients and macronutrients to thrive. And, you know, I feel like the goal for a lot of those diet protocols are like weight loss, no matter what the cost. And I I just don't believe that that's the right way to go. It's not healthy. You're not, it's more about what you're taking away versus what you're adding into your diet. So I really like the approach of like, what can we put into your diet that's going to help you heal versus what are we just going to strip away? Now, yes, there's a time and place to remove foods that are harming you or causing symptoms or making your condition worse. But oftentimes I look at people's diets and I'm like, we have a lot of room to add in more food that is going to benefit you. And I think that also makes it easier because it's less about restricting. It's more about healing and nourishing. And that I think is refreshing for a lot of people who have been on this yo-yo diet, chronic dieting path for probably, you know, most of their life. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so kind of against 
calorie counting culture because it's not that calorie counting can't work for certain people. It's not that it can't be a tool or it plays a role uh, Mm -hmm. or there's not certain science behind it. But most of us, not all of us, but most of us, when we're pursuing calories, there are weird shortcuts we can do that get us into a, you know, hitting a certain calories that aren't really choosing the best highest nutrient dense foods for us where we're choosing mm-hmm. foods that are often low in nutrient density but are low in calorie and mm-hmm. and that was my story i mean think of all of us who and i'm probably because i'm showing my age here um a little bit mm-hmm. but i remember we would eat the lean cuisines like you know it's like oh but these are so low calorie and it was, so we'd have our microwave lean cuisine and first of all it was not satiating Second of all, how many nutrients was I really getting? Probably very little. And yet it was meeting my calorie, yeah. quote unquote, quotient. So so let's talk some of the um, other things around blood sugars. I notice you, you do talk about that. And I really, really think this is the future of health is that people even if you are not diabetic, even if you are not a gestational diabetes patient, whatever, that we get to know our blood sugars better. And I talk about that on the podcast. What role do you feel that blood sugars play with with people's thyroid? And and what advice would you like to give to people who maybe are like, blood sugars? That's just for people who are pre-diabetic or have type two or type one, I don't need to worry about my blood sugars. Yeah. Um, I can give a personal story about how my revelation of how the importance of stable blood sugar. So um, this was again, back in college studying at this point, studying to be a dietitian. And I just remember, and I was probably, you know, not eating enough for my body, even though as a dietitian, it's an easy uh, thing to fall into. But, you know, if I went more than two or three hours without eating something, I felt like a completely different person. I was irritable, nauseous. I'd have a headache coming on. And if I was out doing something, like I'd have to go home if I didn't have food with me. And I, I don't know why, but I never really made the connection that, oh, I'm hypoglycemic right now and my body is crying out for the proper fuel. I was undiagnosed at this time, but I, I pretty much know that, you know, I had Hashimoto's likely a decade before I was diagnosed mm. just based on my results when I had it tested and how far along, you know, it was pretty advanced. So I was likely struggling with thyroid issues way earlier, and that can influence your ability to uh, manage blood sugar levels as well. Thyroid hormones play a role with insulin. Insulin is a hormone that controls blood sugar levels, and if the blood sugar or the glucose can be utilized by your cells, and um, hypoglycemia is a common thing that I see with people who have hypothyroidism, and you know if that's not managed better, that can start to cause issues with your cortisol levels, because as your blood sugar drops, your body's response is to release a stress hormone called cortisol. Cortisol helps to release glucose um, from, you know, if you have a glycogen storage, release the storage form of glucose to balance out the levels. But this can be a unfun game of like chasing (laughs) proper levels versus managing and preventing that those drops from happening in the first place. And those swings are going to make you feel miserable. It's not ideal for your physiology. Your body loves being in a state of homeostasis or equilibrium. 
internally. So you will feel your best when your levels are more balanced. And when they're not, like I said, you might, I kind of listed off some of the common symptoms, but you know, people call it hangriness. Like that's a real, very real thing where, you know, you're nauseous and you're shaky, hungry, maybe anxious, headaches. Um, And that's your body's way of telling you, you have waited far too long (laughs) to nourish and now blood sugar levels are in a unfavorable place. Um, so kind of staying ahead of that is an advice I give, you know, staying ahead of your hunger, making sure you're eating consistently. And I work with a lot of busy moms and I tell them you have to stop eating your kids leftovers and work on having a real meal for yourself. Um, and I know it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying it's necessary if you want to support your body. Um, and eat real meals and snacks, you know, every few hours. And everyone's a little different with, you know, how long they can go, but um, not waiting until you're in the danger zone, basically. Yeah. You know, something that's been interesting for me on my journey is that I've been able to go longer, get less hangry by just eating more real meals. And I think that's what you've nailed there is that a lot of moms, we are the most guilty here, I believe. (laughs) We drink our coffee all day, sip on Mm -hmm. our coffee, which we need to talk about coffee too, but (laughs) sip on our coffee all day. We eat our kids' leftovers. We grab a protein bar. uh, Maybe we have a smoothie. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad and can't play a role, but it's very rare that I see, hey, I'm going to make a really good salad with some chicken, with some salmon, with some Whatever your protein is, I'm going to have that with some veggie. I'm going to make sure it tastes good. I'm going to add whatever I want, maybe some avocado, and I'm going to sit down and mm-hmm. I'm going to eat it and enjoy it. And once I did that more and more and got healthier and healthier, my hangriness went more and more away. And then I didn't need to snack as much and I di- could go longer, but I used to not be able to. And I would just be like raging. Hungry. So I think that if you are early in your journey, I find that it's very normal to be hangry all the time. But the healthier Mm -hmm. you get, it's like, oh, especially if you're eating the right food and not the Mm -hmm. three uh, noodles of macaroni cheese that's at the bottom of your toddler's bowl. Right. No, 100%. That's, yeah, that's, I've experienced that too. Like I can, eating the right meals will help you be able to go longer without being dependent on, you know, eating something, which is really nice because it's really annoying to feel so dependent on eating and to prevent you from feeling awful. Um, But if you support your body, you know, your hormones balance and they're more efficient, you might improve your insulin sensitivity and things are a lot easier once you establish those habits. So let's talk about coffee. So Mm -hmm. um, I drink coffee. Uh, I drink a lot of decaf. Um, I just actually like the taste of coffee. I'm weird. Um, But I do find that a lot of moms, when they realize, and and dads too, and, and people that aren't mom and dads, they realize that maybe their coffee consumption has slowly increased. Mm -hmm. And once they realize that maybe that could be problematic on their health journey, they cut it back a little bit and they see some positive changes. Do you ever see people that coffee is affecting their thyroid health? Oh, all the time. I have a lot I could say about coffee. It's such a big question people have, both coffee and alcohol. I get asked a lot. And I tell them there's a healthy way to do it. And then there's a way that could be sabotaging your health progress. So 
When it becomes a problem, like you said, is when uh, people are skipping meals, they're over-relying on caffeine, they have a poor sleep schedule, they might also be struggling with anxiety and blood sugar issues, they're super stressed, like you really shouldn't, you know, caffeine can add fuel to the fire, so you shouldn't be, you know, going on coffee all day long. It's, again, it's kind of pushing your body out of a state of balance because you have the stimulant constantly being, you know, Mm -hmm. consumed. Um, so scaling back, you know, I tell all my patients, I'm like, you're an adult. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you why it might be beneficial to make some changes. So reducing, uh, caffeine intake almost, I would say like 95% of the time people report better energy, better GI health. You know, they don't have as much distress going on with their digestive systems, um, their anxieties, you know, reducing better sleep, which improves everything, So I, and I tell people this, I love coffee. I love the smell, the taste, the the routine, the ritual of it, all of it. My husband and I were huge coffee people, but there have been periods of my life where I've completely taken a break and I feel usually very good. Um, Now, when I do drink coffee, it's a glass, you know, a, a mug a day. I don't go beyond that. I try to stick to it in the morning after some sort of meal, um, to kind of slow the release of the the stimulant, you know, effect of it. And, uh, you know, when I was pregnant and now nursing, I'm more cautious about caffeine intake. So um, I always encourage people, take a break, a few weeks, a month, see how you feel. It's all about self-experimentation. It's about trial and error and figuring out what your body best responds to. And for other, you know, for most people too, it's just about finding um, a substitute, whether it's a caffeine free or some decaf, so they can still enjoy the aspect of drinking a beverage, <clears throat> whether it's hot or iced or what have you. But people get so reliant, they think, well, I need this for energy. And it's like, actually, you might have more energy without it. Yes. And people don't believe me until they give it a try. Yeah, I think that's so huge. I'm just going to leave that there. I hope everybody kind of takes a maybe could think of taking a break because I've taken breaks mm-hmm. or I've said I'm going to reduce and it, and you do feel better. And there's also an empowering moment where you're like, I don't need caffeine to wake up in the morning. And I'm going to tell all the listeners out there, the healthier, healthier you get, you do not need caffeine to wake up in the morning. Yes, it feels good and it's a nice little surge and all the things, but we shouldn't have to have it in the morning. And I really appreciate that. So what about, we are going to talk about the other beverage that you mentioned. (laughs) What about alcohol on thyroid health? And what are some things that you like to share people? Yeah. uh, So alcohol, again, I have no problems with drinking alcohol. A lot of my clients really enjoy alcohol socially or to wind down. And I think for any food or beverage, there's an aspect of the pleasure of it, Mm -hmm. the social aspect. And that is part of a healthy lifestyle too. So it's all about, you know, finding that balance for you. Um, I don't really like the saying everything in moderation, because what does that even mean? Like (laughs) define moderation. I, I, like to more so teach, you know, you got to figure out what's going to work for you. Um, so for alcohol, again, it kind of depends on where the patient's at. I've had patients drink quite a bit of alcohol and also have gut issues and dysbiosis and blood sugar problems and maybe some stress on their liver. Then I recommend after educating them, let's scale back or even go a period without it. Let's work on these issues, you know, cause alcohol is a known toxin. 
it's, you know, too much is a bad thing. A little bit may have its health benefits. You know, I always hear the argument, well, wine has resveratrol and that's a polyphenol. And I'm like, oh, well, so do fruits and vegetables. So (laughs) you can't really use that argument too much. Um, You can get antioxidants (laughs) elsewhere. But, you know, if someone has it, you know, alcohol socially, they're making good choices with it, it's not impacting their health negatively, then yeah, maybe it's adding to their health versus taking away. The other thing with my clientele specifically is a lot of them do, at least for some period, try to be gluten-free or maybe they need to be. So then we have aspects of like beer and certain liquors that have gluten. Um, And then, you know, cocktails and wine, you know, those have sugar. So you have to be aware of what you're consuming and the caloric value of alcohol is sometimes more than what people realize. Um, Just a little basic nutrition Protein and carbs have four calories per gram, fat has nine calories per gram, and alcohol has seven. So alcohol has a lot of, it's pretty energy dense when you think about it in in that relation. So, you know, that too, if someone is trying to improve, you know, their caloric balance or intake, sometimes they don't realize that, you know, alcohol may be sabotaging their efforts. So really, it's all about education and then giving that to the patient or the client and letting them you know, decide, like I said, I work with adults. So it's really up to them in the end, what changes they're willing to make for the betterment of their health. Yeah. And I tell on this podcast, I drink alcohol, but I have found a ton of health benefits by reducing the amount of alcohol that we drink. Mm -hmm. And my husband would say the same. We're not out judging people. We are, like you said, we're all adults, but it's a topic that's avoided. And so these poor listeners on this show know that I talk about it a lot because I do think that there are a lot of people out there that are trying to do all the things for their health, and yet they're not willing to look at some of the beverages that they drink, whether it's coffee, whether it's diet sodas, whether it's alcohol. And I'm putting the mirror up to me too. Like these are all things that I enjoy. And, you know, I've shared that I love diet Coke. I wish I could drink it all the time. (laughs) I know it's not great for me. I know it's not the best choice. And so I think your advice on taking a break, reducing, but I've really found that taking a break for a while really is it gives you that feeling of what you feel like without it. Mm-hmm. And if you can do it for a month or for a few weeks, it really, it gives your body a chance to show you how much better you feel. Now, the first week you might be like, I miss it or this, or that habit was there, but mm-hmm. gosh, I, no one, no one usually comes back to me after taking a break of any of those things after 30 days and go, yeah, I feel worse. <laughs> right. No, definitely. No. And something else too, like in relation to coffee and alcohol, just like some people use coffee to wake up, I also have some people using alcohol to soothe and help them wind down and maybe even sleep, which Mm. it's actually known that alcohol prevents deep sleep and and better quality sleep. So it might make you sleepy, but then it's kind of like, what are you masking? Do you have poor sleep habits? Is there something else going on? So, um, you know, I don't want people to self-medicate with, you know, overly so or excessively with alcohol or coffee because it's just covering an underlying issue that probably needs to be addressed. Oh, that's so important. And I just love that you say that because how many people will tell you, oh, I just have a drink because it helps me fall asleep or mm-hmm. it's helping my anxiety. I feel yeah. stressed out. It's, it's, <laughs> and both of those things 
the science and the research show that to not be the case. Yes, it might help you fall asleep quicker, mm-hmm. but your actual quality of sleep is lessened. And then the cycle continues. You need more coffee. Yep. And then by <laughs> nighttime, your your body's just all out of whack. So anything, whether beverages or food or anything you're using as a Band-Aid, it's really important to figure out, like you said, what's the underlying issue here uh, mm-hmm. that we need to address. So, Cash, we've just hit on so many things that I'm just like, I, I could just marinate on all this. <laughs> what are just a couple other lifestyle tweaks that you recommend when you see people that you don't think are shared about enough? Yeah, I think another one that I almost always talk about too is uh, movement. So I'm not a personal trainer, so I do not give out specific plans. But when people come to me, you know, we do talk about exercise and activity. Um, They might tell me one of two things. It's rarely where it needs to be, but sometimes. So they'll either tell me I work out five days a week for an hour. I do this intense thing and this intense thing Um, might be HIIT exercise, might be CrossFit, um, running, or they're telling me I'm too busy. I don't work out at all. I don't do anything. I just, you know, have my daily life to take care of. So both ends of the spectrum are not good. Too much exercise is going to cause that cortisol imbalance. It can impede healing. It can disrupt thyroid hormones. Um, So it's important not to overdo it, um, but also you don't want to underdo it because we know that movement is super beneficial. You know, I try to tell people, think of exercise for all of the other health benefits, not specifically to make you lose weight. Nutrition is really your best bet for losing weight. Exercise has many other, you know, your health benefits and your metabolic and your bone health and all these things. So um, it's, we kind of try to find a happy medium and again, make those small changes. So if someone's not doing any type of exercise, I say, can you commit to 10 minutes of walking a day? And they're like, well, yeah, of course. I'm like, great. We're just going to start there. And if someone is over exercising, I kind of assess that by, you know, what's your recovery like? Are you, are you able to recover? Do you have exercise intolerance? Like, how do you feel if it's taking you a very long time to bounce back, there's a good chance you're overdoing it. And let's scale back and find styles of movement that are going to be more, you know, beneficial for you. Oh, I love that. I think that's so important. And I'm really trying, you know, I sit for my job, I sit at a desk and I really like to talk about, hey, it doesn't always have to be getting to a gym. It can be taking a break and doing some squats behind you. It can be going for a walk. It can be, hey, jumping on the trampoline with the kids. It's it's incorporating movement because if you think of how our ancestors lived, they were always moving to do everything. They had to move mm-hmm. to get their food. They had to move to get I mean, anything in their life. They moved for their homes. I mean, they were on the go and our lives are becoming more and more sedentary. Everything's being delivered to us. Everything's, you know, it's, we don't have to walk to go get the milk at the store. You know, we get it delivered by Instacart. And so (laughs) I I love thinking like, I've got to try that much harder to incorporate movement in my day, but incorporating Mm -hmm. movement in my day doesn't mean I need to run a marathon. It's, It's that, it's that balance. And I think that's exactly what you hit on. Well, 
Alicia, we could talk all day. I know you have a three-month-old and uh, who is probably patiently waiting with your husband for um, <laughs> his mom, but where can people connect with you and find out more about thyroid health and maybe sign up for one of your courses? Where can they find you? Yeah, the easiest place is Instagram. That's probably my largest audience and the easiest. I find most people do have an Instagram. Um, it's Leisha-Thyroid-RD. Um, I think that you're going to put it in the notes um, for people to find me if that's mm -hmm. easier too. I also have a website and email, but really Instagram's the easiest for if you want to message me or if you want a lot of free content as far as education on my page. I also have free resources um, that you can find through Instagram as well. Great. Oh, Lisa, this has been so helpful. So thank you for your time. And I love ending the interview with kind of a bold advice that you have for the listeners. And these, to be honest, these are my favorite. I should, I should take these and put these at the front of the episode because there's such wisdom from all of my guests. So what would you like to share? What's your bold advice? Oh, there's honestly so much. I think the past few years have really been so transformative for myself, becoming a mom and, and my everything with my private practice and business. But really, it's just, you know, you're so much more capable um, than you believe you are. Um, I have learned that time and time again for just going for things. I don't always love going outside my comfort zone, but when I do, like the payoff and the reward at the end is always amazing. Even if it's a failure, it still gets me one step closer to where I want to be or where I need to be. So whether that was, you know, um, having our baby, that's a big, scary mm -hmm. thing. Or, you know, having a solo practice and being an entrepreneur during COVID, like that was a scary thing to invest in myself and, and do that. But you really start to realize like what you're able to do. And it's, it's so amazing. You, you grow that way and you, you know, um, oftentimes you will either inspire other people or help other people by just kind of taking those risks and taking those chances. So that's, you know, just go for it, trust yourself and just see what happens. I love that because really at the end of the day, often the only person limiting us is ourselves. And it's our own mindset, which you said at the beginning of this interview, that's where we need to start. And our mindset, there's so much capability out there. And you're showing that with all you're doing. So thank you for inspiring us because you nailed it. If we are pursuing our dreams and not thinking in this limited mindset, it helps others kind of release their limited mindset too. It really yes. does. Oh, well, thank you, Alicia, for your time. I can't wait to maybe have you back someday because we could talk thyroid a lot. But <laughs> yeah. bless you and you have a wonderful day. Thank you. This has been great and my pleasure to talk to you and your audience today. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, betlucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.